So we're in Luke chapter 10, we'll be verses 38 to 42. We should be able to get those done. That's only four or five verses there. And so we're talking about today, this is the story of Martha and Mary, and I put the title up there, Mary Has Chosen, and I want us to really focus on that word right there, Mary Has Chosen. Uh, that's a very specific word that Luke, that Luke chose to put in this passage, and so um, that's what we're going to talk about today. Let me start with a couple questions. I was asking Kinsey this morning on the way to church, hey, do you think you choose your emotions? Okay, do you, do you think you choose to be worried? Do you think you choose to be upset sometimes? Yeah, are, are, you, at, are you the victim, because we live in a victim culture, are you the victim of your emotions? By choice? So then you're not then. Yeah, I agree with you, right? Is the world trying to convince you otherwise? The world is trying to convince you that you are the victim of your worry, of, of you getting upset. The world is even trying to convince you that worry and upset is a virtue. Y'all know that, right? That being exhausted is something uh, that we should uh, praise. This is why you literally see t-shirts that say exhausted mama. Why, can I just say it? Why are we praising that? And, and I'm not saying that motherhood's easy. I'm saying, why, why are we taking busyness and exhaustion and exalting it um, as a virtue to be attained for? Why are we doing that? You know, like in our world, busyness is a sign of status. Y'all see that now, right? And that in our world, that when someone asks, how are you doing? What are you supposed to say? So, I'm so busy, man. I'm so busy. And what that communicates is that, man, since I'm so busy, look how important I am, you know? And so we could, let me ask this too. Do you choose to be busy? Yeah, you do. 99% of the time. And this is why I'm jumping ahead in my notes already. This is why, like, if, if I ever say, hey, man, how can I pray for you? And your response is, we're just so busy. I'll say, well, and, and I mean it. I want to be as gentle as I can. I'll say, well, who keeps your calendar? And what's the answer? You keep your calendar, right? And I'm not saying quit your job and retire and don't do anything and just sit around and pray. No, like we, we all have jobs. We all have eight to five jobs. But let me just say, if, if you ever come and complain and lament to me of how busy you are, I'm going to ask, well, who's in charge of your calendar? And we're both going to conclude you are. And listen, friend, I don't know what to tell you. Like, do, do you want me to pray that God would come down and change your Google calendar? Is that what you're praying for? Like, we, we walk this path, and it's like, it's almost like we reap what we sow. Ooh, that's good. Someone write that down. It's almost like we, we reap what we sow, right? And so when we choose busyness, we're going to be exhausted. When we choose worry, guess what you're going to be? Worried. When we choose fear... Guess what you're going to be? Afraid. Do you know, and even sociologists uh, confirm this, we're only born with two fears. You know this, right? First of all, you know fear is a learned behavior. You all know that, right? If you're afraid, somebody taught you to be afraid. Okay? And sociologists say we're born with two fears. One is the, the fear of the sensation of falling. 
Okay? This is why babies, if you start to drop them, they, they, it scares them. And two, babies are afraid of loud noises. Wham! It scares them, right? And their body goes into that fight or flight mode. Did you know that every other fear we are taught, and I would even say that we choose them, right? Let me ask this. What about mob mentality? Kinsey brought this up on the car over here. What about mob mentality? Have you ever been a part of a mob and you're like, and you do things, you're like, what did I just do, right? Uh, so last night, yesterday, Kinsey and I took the girls to go to a Monster Jam in Dallas. I was expecting that to be way better. I'm going I'm to try that again. Last night, Kinsey and I took the girls to go to Monster Jam. Yeah, that's right. Hey, by the way, did you see how mob mentality works just then? Everybody does it. So, and it was just funny that like when I'm a part of a group, which it was at the Cowboy Stadium, and there were like, I don't know, 70,000 people there, and it's the one with the big monster trucks. And so we got, uh, so, so we got t-shirts, and one of the drivers signed my arm. I don't know if you saw that. Okay. I was going to have him sign my forehead, but I was like, that may be too distracting for the morning. It's not coming off yet. So. And like, it's like we're in this, this diesel-powered testosterone environment where it's just these big trucks. And it was like, like I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, this is pretty cool. And the trucks, when they would jump, sometimes they'd break and flip. And when they would do that, guess what everybody did? Cheered. And guess what Russell did? Yeah! And every time they flipped, I would start just chanting, Monster Jam! Monster Jam! And so here's, here's Russell, and I mean it. Like, please don't miss the, the picture here. Here's Russell. He gets caught up in the moment, right? And I'm cheering on things that normally I'd be like, why am I cheering about this $200,000 truck breaking its axle? And this, here's a person inside that they just fell 35 feet in the air and hit the ground. Might be dead. Might not be. And what's Russell doing? Yeah! Why am I doing this? Because everybody's doing it. And so, again, it goes back to the original stupid question. I'm going somewhere with this. Is that a choice? Do I choose to cheer? Or can I choose to be upset? Right? Can I choose to be worried? Can I choose to be busy? Right? Man, there's freedom in Christ. Did you know that? And we are free to choose worry if you want. Did you know that? Right, And so what we're going to look at, let's look at this story of Martha and Mary. And I want to emphasize um, Mary's choice. Okay, And that seems to be what Luke, the beloved physician, is emphasizing here. And so start in verse 38. If you'll remember, I'm just going to catch you up. Chapter 10, Jesus had sent out the 72. And then after that, he told the parable of the Good Samaritan, talking about who your neighbor is. And so then um, it picks up in verse 38, chapter 10, verse 38. So let's read this. It says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village. Okay, so stop there for a second. When it says on their way, remember, he's on his way to Jerusalem. Okay, so there's this, his early ministry. He kind of works his way around the Galilee, and he's kind of all over Israel. And then there's the point at which... Um, when uh, Peter confesses him at the Christ, and he says, yes, you're correct, I'll build my church on this foundation. And then he looks toward Jerusalem, and then he starts heading that way. And if you remember also, the whole time he's going, the, the apostles never really understood what was going on. 
he would look at them and explain to them as clear as day, I am going to die for man. And they would say, we're not really sure what you mean. Okay. And so when it says he's on his way, remember, he's on his way uh, to that. That's where he's going. He came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Okay, so a couple things here. So Martha, um, this was kind of a strange thing. Would a rabbi, again, think culturally, would a, would a rabbi go into the home of a woman well, I mean, it, it was pretty unheard of. It wasn't normal, right? And so you once again see Jesus, he didn't abide by any cultural standards at all, okay? Uh, he would regularly break them, and people hated him for that because they were taking, watch this, they were taking, here's our traditions of our culture, and, and here's God's word, and they would elevate the cultural traditions more than God's word, actually, you know, it's like even how just a few minutes ago I mentioned how I've tried beer and it's gross. And some of y'all literally gave me a funny look because I said the word beer on Sunday morning, which, man, I've said way worse than that. And, and, and in, that, in that moment, don't you feel your heart? Don't you feel your heart say, hold on, you can't talk about beer on Sunday morning, right? No one's going to admit to it because y'all are a bunch of liars. Um, anyways, no, didn't you feel your heart go, hey, you, you can't say that, right? And, and guys, remember, there's... Uh, beer is not a sin. It's not light beer is a sin, right? <laughs> so that was a stupid joke. I keep it in my back pocket like once a year. Thanks for, thanks for laughing about that. No, but you know, beer is not a sin. And scripture says, hey, it, it says whoever's led astray by beer. That's the problem. It says uh, beer is a mocker and wine is a brawler. Whoever's led astray by them is not wise. That's what it says. And then it also says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so we We've been given this thing called alcohol, and it's, it can be used for good, but man, it can also be used for bad. Anyways, point being, did you see how in that moment, some of y'all in your heart, you elevated tradition above God's word, right? Can we be fair? Let's just be fair, okay? And so Jesus is always battling that. People hated him for it. And so he goes into a home of a woman named Martha, uh, opened her home to him. Verse 39, she had a sister called Mary... Okay, now this is, we're just going to set the context here. Make sure you're really picturing what's happening here. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. Okay, so again, let's just pause for a minute. Let's just take 30 seconds and just make sure we're setting the picture here. Is that So Jesus is, is here. Apparently there's other people around. And here's this part over here where Jesus is teaching. He's a first century rabbi, and so he would have been teaching the Torah and, and would have been giving his interpretation of the Torah. And since they're in this guy's home, hey, there's, there's things to be done, right? We, they probably wanted to feed him. They wanted, there were some household items, some household things that needed to get done. And the problem was, well, we say it's a problem, is here we have, and again, this is cultural. Don't give me weird looks. Here we have a woman sitting where amongst the men i'm just going to point it out this is just cultural at the time at the time that that wasn't it wasn't like forbidden but it was something that they would say what's what's mary doing like you know what i mean so this is her sister's house there's stuff to be to be done and and here you have this woman sitting at the feet of jesus learning the torah okay were women permitted to learn the torah everybody do this yeah, that, that was okay. Was it common for a rabbi to teach women? Everybody do this. 
No, and so we see again Jesus taking cultural standards, and he says, hey, I'm not really concerned about that. Okay, so does everybody see the picture here, right? You've got, here's Jesus over here. He's got people around him, probably mostly men, and then you have this woman in the picture. And, and I don't think anyone's going to say anything about it. It's odd, but it's not, you know, it's not, it doesn't, it's not, a, it's not, we don't stop everything and say, get out of here. It's just kind of like, what's this lady doing here, you know? And then you have over here, you have Martha who's, who's working and which, by the way, there are some things that needed to be done. Okay, now look at verse 40. So we have, Mary was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. And then verse 40, what's the very first word? But, who? Martha. Okay, now what's the issue here? It, is the issue that she was, Martha was working? No. But Martha was, look right here, what's it say? Distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made. Okay, so let's ask this question. Were there things that needed to be done? Everybody do this. Yeah, right? You got people in your home, you you know, especially in this culture, more so than we understand, hospitality was a very high, um, uh, of great importance. Great, more so than we really understand. And so there were things that needed to be done. But Martha was, what's the issue? Is it Martha was working? No, it was Martha was what? Distracted. So, so please note that. The issue is not, hey, why are you doing this stuff? The issue is, hey, as you are doing these things, why are you distracted by them? You see the difference? Right? Do, do we ever fall in that same, um, uh, that same trap as well? Like the, there's things that need to be done for the Lord, and there's things that need to be done in our home, right? Like there's things that need to be done for me to be a good father to my kids. Part of it means that I, I try to keep them like joy-filled. I try to keep them happy, right? Aren't, aren't those good things? Yeah. But listen, guys, do we as a culture ever become distracted by those things that need to be done. <laughs> if, you don't, if you don't see where I'm going with this, you got to open your eyes. Like, is it good for my girls to exercise? And do I want them to be on, uh, do I want them to be a part of a sports team? And do I want them to learn how to work with others? Do I want them to learn how to be a part of a team? Do I want them to learn how to, hey, sometimes the best thing you can do for the team is to sit on the bench, honestly. Do they need to learn those? Do my girls need to learn that there are times in your life that you will work as hard as possible and still fail? Do they need to learn those life lessons? Yeah, those are great things. Can I, can my family become distracted by those things? Everybody do this. Yeah. And by the way, are we building a culture based on that distraction? Right? Like the, and, and again, we've got a lot of young families, so I think this preaches to our congregation. My gosh, like that you have families that their entire schedule, all their, their money, their time goes to what? Entertaining the kids or the kids' sports. Or, and do you think we're distracted by those things at that time? Yeah, right? And I've said it before again. Here's my opinion. You can disagree with my opinion. If, if I can look at your calendar and your checkbook, I can probably tell you where your heart is. That's Russell's opinion. You can disagree with that. 
right? We can talk a big game about our devotion to the local church. We can talk a big game about how we're, how we're about family. But if all your time and money go towards this certain thing, my guess is that's where your heart truly is. Let me see your calendar and your checkbook, and I'll see where your heart is. And so again, do you see the issue? The issue is not the things that need to be done. Let's go back to Luke chapter 10. The issue is not, hey, here's stuff that needs to get done. The issue is, Martha, you are distracted by those things. Y'all see the difference? I'm not sure. Y'all are looking at me weird. Yeah? That's a big difference. Okay, now go on. Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to... (laughs) Who did she go to, by the way? She went to Jesus. Okay, so listen. Was it Jesus' job to to tell Mary what to do? No. Right? There's a lot going on here. She came to Jesus and asked, okay, now you are about to see some frustration coming out. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Okay, now think about that. Is that a fair question? I guess that's fair. Do you think that that question is in response to an emotion? Do you, do you think she's do you think she's operating out of a place of wholeness, or do you think she's operating out of a place of frustration? I, I think there's a lot of frustration there. Okay, and so again, even in your own life, in your own world, man, there are times when you will ask questions of the Lord. There are times when other people will ask questions of the Lord, and we need to ask ourselves first, hold on, I might be asking a real fair question, but, but learn to ask this of yourself. Hey, Russell, Russell, are you operating out of a place of wholeness right now, or are you operating out of a place of frustration, right? Y'all follow me on that? Because if we realize I'm operating out of a place of frustration, maybe my question doesn't need to be addressed right now. Like maybe I need to back up a little bit, okay? And then she says, tell her to help me, <laughs> okay? So notice this. This is, man, there's a lot happening here. She's, she's, she's chosen to be distracted. That choice has led to a feeling of frustration. And then that that feeling has led to an action. And her action is she's now bossing around the rabbi that she's brought into her house. <laughs> like, do you, see the, do you see the progress here? Man, this is, this is human psychology 101. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. She's, she's, she's made a choice or a certain belief. It leads to a feeling, which leads to action. Do you see that? She's chosen distraction, it has led to frustration, and now she's bossing around God himself in the flesh. Anyone ever been there? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. I know we all would, right? You ever been there where you've, you've gotten to this point of frustration and your response is, you know what, Jesus? I got a couple suggestions for you, pal. Right? And you, and you start making, and everybody look at my fingers, suggestions to the Lord, (laughs) right? Jesus, don't you care that this is happening in my life? You need to do this. You need to fix it, right? And so again, uh, 
I'll repeat it. I think, we, I think repeating things is good. I may repeat too much, but she chooses to be distracted. She then has a frustrated feeling, and then it leads to this stupid action that's just dumb, right? And so I, um, I believe distraction is a choice most of the time. Have you ever noticed every Sunday before we open up God's Word, have you ever noticed how I'll pray, Lord, I pray we won't give ourselves over to distractions? Have you ever noticed that? Right? Um, we, in here, we've committed to, we're going to be about families, and so what that means is that we have young kids in this room. I don't know if you noticed. Are we allowed to look at them? Does that make it awkward? Can I point out the elephant in the room? Right? Can I do that? Like, they're right here. The funny thing is they don't know I'm talking about them because they've zoned out. Okay? But here's the thing, guys. If, we're, if we are choosing to be about families, are there going to be some distractions in the room? Yes. Okay? And when, when I was praying, do you remember I prayed, Lord, I pray we leave our distractions at the door. That doesn't literally mean <laughs> drop your children at, and they fight for themselves, Lord of the Fly style. It means, Lord, I pray that we would be men and women that we could recognize, hey, there's something going on over here, but I don't have to choose to be distracted. Right? Um, at work, some of y'all don't know, I, I'm a middle school math teacher, and then I also teach one other thing. There's this, um, at the end of the day, most of the 7th, 8th grade boys, they go play football, but then there's group of, this group of about 40 of them that don't play football. Some of them aren't very athletic, and some of them just don't want to play football. And so at the, before the school year started, my principal said, you know who'd be great with those boys? Russell. Okay, why not? Sure. And so I also uh, lead the middle school boys PE uh, speed and strength training, which is just, uh, it's just a circus, I'm just going to say. Uh, 40, yeah, 40 eighth grade, 7th, 8th grade boys in a weight room. You're trying to teach them how to do things and not hurt themselves. And you got weight flying around. And I'm like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> and so they thought, you know who'd be perfect for that nightmare? Russell McLennan. <laughs> so, so here I am. And so anyways, the other day, I'm trying to gather the guys up, and one of them, this is crazy. Did you know that 7th and 8th graders have difficulty concentrating? <laughs> yeah. And so, but I, at this point in the year, they all know me, and I'm, I'm pretty good with that group of young men. Like, I can get them to focus pretty well. It's hard to do, but I can and there's, you know, there's one kid who's just spaced out, and so I said, hey, come up here, and so he comes and stands next to me, and then I have everyone go on, I think we we're doing uh, squats or something, they went on and started doing that, and so I said, hey, uh, I want you to come over here, and I said, I want you to sit on this bench, and I want you to look out the window, and I said, I'm going to put my clock, I'm going to put three minutes on my timer, and I said, for three minutes, and, and remember, this is the kid that just can't, I mean, he's just, and I said, for three minutes, you need to look out the window, and if anyone says your name, you need to ignore them. Um, I need you to look out the window. And if, you, if I catch you looking around, the clock starts over. And he said, okay. And so notice now he's got skin in the game. You notice that? Now he's not with his friends, which, by the way, that's how you punish middle schoolers, is you just you remove them from their friend group, okay? And so I said, listen, man, for three minutes, I want you to. And so I started the clock, and I watched him over there. And guys, listen, do you think he did it? Yes. Do you want to know why? Because he chose to. And, and, I, 
and I'm a believer in modern medicine. I am. I think some kids truly do have ADHD. Some of them truly do. I've seen them in my classroom, right? But can even youngsters, can they choose to ignore distraction? Guys, he did it. And notice, this is in the weight room. His friends are behind him. There's stuff clanging around. There's people screaming. Someone may be dying over here. I don't know. Send him to the nurse. He did it. And I, and I sat there and watched him. And I mean it. His eyes didn't leave. And I gave him the window to look out of. If I was mean, I would have said, stare at this brick. But I said, stare out the window. And he did it. Why? Because he chose not to be distracted. And I went up to him and I said, hey, I want, you to, I want you to notice something. I said, did you hear all the distractions going on around you? And he said, yeah. And I said, why didn't you look at them? And he says, because I was supposed to look out the window. And I said, that's right. I said, you can choose to focus. Did you know that? Did, did you know that? that y'all, uh, yeah. Did, did you know that? And so please be aware that our culture is trying to convince you that you are victim to all these distractions. There's so much going on in, on, in on the world. You know, there's, and when I say that, I mean mostly just on my phone. Like, I'm so distracted. Guys, can we drop it with the distracted thing? Can we drop it with the busyness thing? Can, these are things that we're choosing. Okay, keep going. So she said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Interesting question. I wonder if he did care. Maybe, maybe not. Tell her to help me, which is great. You're, you're telling the rabbi in your house to tell someone else what to do. Just a mess. And then verse 41. So this is Jesus rebukes Martha. This is a rebuke. She's acting in error. Okay. And look, his rebuke, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered so I want to look at Jesus' rebuke. I want to look at two things. I want to look at how he rebuked her, and I want to look at what he rebuked her about. So first of all, how did he rebuke her? He starts with the words, Martha, Martha. Okay, that In that time, that is a Jewish form of affection and intimacy. Okay, So the response to this woman who is making bad choices, who is operating out of feelings, and then is making demands of the rabbi in her house, his response is one of affection and intimacy. Please just rest in that for a minute, right? Could he have yelled at her? Could he have demanded? Don't, don't tell me what to do. His response is Martha, Martha, right? Man, I, I hope that, that you guys realize that's, that is the love of the Father, is one of affection and intimacy. Even when we are walking in stupidity, even we are, when we are walking in bad choice after bad choice, even when we are letting our emotions absolutely wreck our household, his response is, Martha, Martha, right? Man, that is a good father right there. So maybe that's just what some of y'all needed to hear. You don't have an angry dad looking for you to mess up. You have a loving father that even when you are bossing him around, he says, Martha, Martha, right? 
the Lord answered. And now look at what he rebukes her about. He says, you are worried and upset about many things. Do you notice he does not address her action, that he's bossing him around. He goes to the source. He, he doesn't address the symptoms, right? He goes and attacks the disease, which, by the way, that's what a great doctor does, okay? Uh, the best doctors don't sit there and address. He didn't say, hey, why'd you boss me around? Hey, why? He says, hey, you're, you're just worried and upset. And then look at this crazy thing he says, the very next words. He says, um, you are worried and upset about many things. So he addresses her feelings. He does address her emotions, right? They're real things. Can we all agree to that? Emotions are real. They're given to us by God. And remember, guys, your emotions were not called to be robots. We're not supposed to be emotionless robots. Remember, your emotions and feelings, those are given to you by the Lord, but they are designed um, to be the... Um, Let's see, I, can't, I can never remember which way it goes. They're designed to be the thermometer of your household, not the thermostat of your household. Okay, Your emotions are given to you by God that sometimes we feel certain things, right? Like this one, hey, you're upset and worried. Sometimes we feel certain things. Those feelings are designed to be an indicator of what's happening. That's what a thermometer does, is you go to the thermometer and you say, how hot's it in the room? And sometimes, right, let's be fair, sometimes your emotions are off the chart, okay? And sometimes your emotions, maybe you need to be more upset about things. Like I feel, sometimes people say, Russell, you need to calm down. And I'm like, you need to calm up, like you need to care about more things, right? And so our emotions given by God are designed that we look at them and say, hold on, something is off here. They are not designed to be the thermostat that we go over and we turn up the temperature and then when I turn up the temperature on this thermostat what happens to everybody in this room you are affected please hear me say this if you're this is this is um, a little bit of reverse engineering in your household if one person gets upset and the entire house is wrecked then your emotions are a thermostat and that's not God's design, right? Are we going to get upset in our life? You better believe it. Are there times where we will be worried and upset? Like these words here, yeah. But do not let that be the thermostat that then the entire house is wrecked. And you wanna know why I'm emphasizing this is because we live in a culture that says things like, ain't mama happy, ain't nobody happy. Or we live in a culture that says stuff like this, which this one, like, if you ever say this to me, just know that I secretly want to punch you in the throat. That men will look at me and say, well, you know, happy wife, happy life. I can't stand it. What you are saying when you say happy wife, happy life is that the Lord of your household is actually not Jesus Christ himself, but is actually the emotions of the, of the mom. Right? Were you raised in that house? You don't have to shake your head. I don't, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Were you raised in a household that the emotions of one person affects everybody is that a place of joy and peace is that a place where the lord is exalted no who's exalted that person or it might be the husband or guys it might be the children's happiness it can be anything and so all all that to say that was a side note your emotions aren't to be discarded they are the uh, thermometer 
that when I'm feeling worried and upset, that means let me look at it and say, hold on, something is, something is wrong. And that's the one that in Philippians, we don't have time to look, but where Paul says, hey, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, present your requests to God. And so even Paul himself says that that anxiety that you're feeling, sometimes that is an indicator that you need to get right with the Lord, that you need to spend time at the feet of Jesus like Mary's doing here. Right? Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer. Do you see the response? So that anxiety, that fear, that worry, that is an indicator that something is wrong when you're, with your soul. That fear, anxiety, and worry is not the thermostat to now wreck your entire household. Um, okay, verse 41, he says, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. But only one thing is needed. And then here's our three words. Mary has, what's that word right there? Chosen. What is better? And it will not be taken from her. That word chosen, here I'm going to actually underline that in my Bible. I'm going to underline the words Mary has chosen. That word chosen in the original Greek language, it means to select out of a highly deliberate choice. Did everybody hear that? So here, Jesus' response is, Mary has chosen. It means that she very selectively, let's be fair, she probably saw everything that needed to be done. She was maybe even dealing with some feelings of her own. Like, think about that. In a culture that hospitality is of the highest importance. Here's this rabbi in her home and, and there are things to be done. Do you think she was maybe feeling a sense of worry or upset? I, I don't want to read into the text, but I guess she probably would have been. Do you think that she felt the eyes on her staring at her? What's this woman doing amongst the men? Do you think she felt feelings that were very powerful? I, I think it's safe to say, to say yes, but she what? She chose, what did she choose? What is better, and it will not be taken away from her, right? And that word chosen means to select out of a highly deliberate choice. And then I'll just, I've just got these in my notes. It says, can I choose how I respond to things? Can I choose my feelings? Um... And then I have this, this is the last question. Man, what are you, this is what I want you to think. Well, can, can I say a question and everybody just think about it? What are you choosing? Like, what are you choosing? Are you, do you find yourself striving after perfection? My guess is you're choosing to compare yourself to a lot of people. Like, my guess is maybe you're on social media a ton. Maybe you're... Um, Pinteresting, and you're seeing all this garbage that's fake, 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 right? Um, uh, are you choosing exhaustion? Maybe you're exhausted. Well, what's your calendar look like, man? Like, like I think it's that simple. Are we choosing these things instead of sitting at the feet of the Lord? Are you, are you choosing worry? Do you know what worry is based out of? Do you know what that is? It's worry is based out of the illusion that you're in control. You know that, don't you? If you think you are in control, 
then the natural response is then to worry about the outcome of things. Did you know that? Right? Is there anything you're in control of? Very little, right? I can control some of the things I choose, right? Um, do you find yourself, are you choosing fear? Right? It's interesting that we live in such a fear-driven culture, yet we're constantly surrounding ourselves in darkness and fear, and, and we are encouraging, uh, oh my gosh, we're, in, we're encouraging a culture of fear and worry, and then we wonder why we're isolated and terrified of our neighbors, right? Like, like this is, are you choosing fear? And like, we've got like on TV constantly like these documentaries about murderers and serial killers, and people are eating them up like they can't get enough of them and then we're wondering why do I live in fear <laughs> what are you choosing man like you're you're choosing this rather than to sit at the feet of Jesus right and so the last thing he said was Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her right this is the only thing of lasting importance you know are the souls of man and their relationship with the lord jesus christ you know your kids there's like less than a one percent of one percent chance that they'll be a professional athlete there's a one percent of a one percent of a one percent chance that they'll be a famous celebrity there is a 100 percent chance they will stand before jesus one day one hundred percent chance it will happen to you to me and and i love that jesus says mary's chosen what's better and it will not be that's the thing that won't be taken and i pray that what i want is that when i stand before jesus he says well done good and what's the word faithful not successful get that out of your head well done good and successful no well done, good, and perfect? No. Well done, good, and, listen, popular? Mm -mm. Well done, good, and socially accepted? Nuh-uh. Well done, good, and what? Faithful servant. Like that, That's what <laughs> we will have that encounter, 100% chance. Um, that's all I wanted to say. Just end with that, that question. What are you guys choosing? What are we choosing? I know what I choose in my life. I do. Um, we're all choosing these things that, golly, does this even matter? Gosh, what am I doing? Like, anyways, let me pray for us. I'm out of, well, I'm not, I'm, I'm not out of time. You're out of time. I got all day, but I got to let y'all. We got to get to lunch before the Methodists. So... <laughs> Who was, someone just laughed from the other room. Who was that? <laughs> so um, let's pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. And God, I pray that we would be men and women that we choose um, joy. God, I, this, this story has so much emotion in it, and it's real. And I think we can all relate to both Martha and Mary. <clears throat> I think we can. And I pray that we would be people that that we, <clears throat> we don't give ourselves over to distraction and we don't 
let our emotions or our circumstances rule our world, but we let you, that we let you rule our world, and that, that, we, that we allow you um, to be king of our lives, not how we feel, not what's on the news, not anything, Lord. And help us, God, help us to trust. Lord, we ask for faith. We pray for faith to trust you. Lord, strengthen our faith in you, not our faith in these other things. Lord, I pray that, we'd strength, that you would strengthen our faith in you. Help us to trust you and to choose what's better. So God, that's our prayer. And help us to be honest with one another and honest with ourselves. I pray that we wouldn't lie to ourselves. I pray we wouldn't believe that we're the victim of our circumstances or the victim of our emotions, but that we are actually more than conquerors in all of these things. So help us to know that truth. That's the truth. So this is our prayer, Lord. Amen.